Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast by Lifeway. We're really glad that you've picked this podcast as one of the podcasts you listen to for student ministry things. So we appreciate that very much. And we would love it if you'd leave a rating and review. It takes just a second and it helps other people find the podcast. It also helps us continue to improve the podcast to be what you student ministry people would like it to be. And uh, we would love to hear what you think of it. We really do read those and we really do change things based on uh, feedback that we're given. I'm your host, Ben Trueblood, here in the studio today with the one and only producer, Nathan. What's up? How's it going? It's good, man. Hey, we are fresh off the news of the Las Vegas F1 race confirmed for 2023. We are a nighttime race in America. Thanksgiving weekend. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be a lot of neon. A lot of neon. <laughs> Race, they're racing down the strip. We're going to see how that turns out. It's going to be cool looking, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Well, uh, we are super excited today uh, because we have our special guest. And this is a topic that, you know, sometimes we have a lot of topics that we could say, hey, this is the first time we've talked about this. But there's always some overlap just because student ministry things like there tends to be overlap between topics, you know, that like there's always some kind of connection thread to some other things that we've talked about. But I, this one, I really do think is the first time we we've really had a chance to go deep into this and it's a really important topic. So I'm super excited for our guest today, Brent Squires. Brent has dedicated the last 20 years of his life to student ministry. So 20 year veteran. We're thankful for that. He currently serves as a student ministry pastor at Bay Area Community Church in Annapolis, Maryland. There, Brent oversees a staff of seven and has a growing ministry of middle school, high school, and college-age students. Before hearing God's call to full-time pastoral ministry, Brent worked for the Washington Redskins, uh, now Washington football team, and I guess what their new one is? The, the, the Commanders. The Commanders, that's right. So the Washington, now Washington Commanders, uh, for eight seasons— and managed all of the uh, FedEx Field special events. So that's fantastic. I'm sure there are a lot of questions there we could get into. Uh, he is married since 1992, three young adult children, enjoys reading, watching the Washington Commanders football team, spending time with good friends, coaching other student ministry professionals, which he will do through the podcast today. Was born in Washington, D.C., raised in South Maryland. So Brent, welcome. We're super excited you're here. Yeah, it's great to be here with you guys. And so you uh, are kind of born, raised, now serving all in the same geographic area. Yeah, I've had a, I've had a few stints where I was in the South. I was in uh, Alabama for a couple of years. It, that, this was before my, my ministry life. Um, and then I did serve at a church in the Pittsburgh area. But for the most part, um, it's been here in, in Maryland in the Baltimore, D.C. area. So we are, uh, well, I'm sure there's, there's a lot we could get into about the difference between ministry uh, in the South and ministry where you are. Um, we, that's a different episode for another time. Maybe we'll get into it a little bit. But what we were going to talk about today specifically is creating an inviting ministry space. Now, in your bio, you know, we talked about how you are at the church you're at uh, and you have a staff of seven people. And so like your facilities look a little different maybe than other than other people's facilities based on size of church. 
But what I think is, and what my team and Nathan has said is, man, there's been a lot of intentionality you put into your space that I think are transferable principles, whether you have a youth building, a youth facility, a youth room, a youth hallway, you know, whatever the case may be at your church, whatever context is, I think what you're going to hear from Brent today are some principles that are really worth considering as you create a space to reach teenagers. So let's, let's just dive in with key principles or philosophies that you thought through when you were creating your space. And if you want to describe your space a little bit uh, so people can kind of get a picture in their head, that would be great as well. Yeah. Um, and, and if I could just say this real quick, I, I've been at three different churches as a student ministry pastor in uh, three different contexts. And the first church that I was at was a ministry of, you know, probably at its zenith, had 40 kids and uh, we had no youth room. You know, we were kind of given the shared space, you know, uh, adult mm-hmm. Sunday school slash youth slash children. Uh, and then I've been in two other churches where I've had, you know, three, four hundred students and we've had dedicated buildings. Um and there's no necessarily one right way to do it. Um, and it, it doesn't necessarily make or break your ministry to have uh, a big facility. Sometimes yeah. sometimes a big facility is just one more big distraction from ministry because you have to manage the space and the people and all the things that come with it. Um, but uh, in terms of uh, my, my church context here, uh, about five or so years ago, my lead pastor said, um, you know, we're going to break, but we see some trends coming where the ministry is growing. We want to get ahead of the, the curve. And so we want to break ground on a building for dedicated for student ministry. Uh, and he said, what I want you to do is project out into the next 10 years and uh, design a building that you feel like 10 years from now and over the next 10 years would be adequate for you to, to grow into. So not necessarily designing a ministry for what you had have today, which at that mm. time was 2017, 2018, but more so uh, a ministry for where you want to be in 10 years. Uh, and that's kind of hard to do because you're kind of thinking, I have no idea what it's going to be like. No one in 2018 saw a global pandemic where right. a big facility was useless. Mm. Um, but uh, so our facility, we designed, it's about 20, uh, around 20,000 square feet type space. Uh, it's got a, a dedicated, you know, you know, full service student cafe. Uh, it's got a auditorium that seats 300 um, and several like a game room and several other indoor and outdoor spaces. And um, the, the big thing that we tried to do was to think, uh, not knowing what our ministry would look like 10 years from now, think what what are the just the basic needs? So we need a large group meeting space. So an auditorium. Uh, we need a uh, we need some small group spaces because our ministry is very small group centric, um, and then we need some mid sized spaces for those you know those events where you have you know not six people in a small group but not three hundred people in a in a worship setting. But what about those events where you have 30, 30 people, either thirty adults being trained or thirty kids, forty kids there for you know a special event? So. Those are the spaces that we have within our facilities, small group okay. spaces, mid-sized spaces, and then large group spaces. So that's some of the philosophy side of things is think 10 years down the road, a space that you need to do ministry. Like you mentioned, we're very small group centric ministry. So we need to make sure and have, if we're going to build a facility and we're going to have this space, then there are going to be small group friendly 
space is there. So what are some other principles that you think through and having led in both side, like a smaller church environment and larger church environments, if someone's not about to break ground, but they're looking at a space that they have, what are some principles that you think would transfer between your thought process going into this and somebody who's kind of already got a space, but thinking, man, how can I more maximize this space to fit our needs? Yeah. Well, I think that's really, that's a great question. Um, I think, uh, you really have to know what your ministry philosophy and style is. Uh, at my previous church, when I was in Pennsylvania, I literally accepted the job and, um, uh, I had not even moved to that city and started day one of work. And I was already asked to meet with the architects to design that building that they had already broken ground on. And I didn't even know the ministry. So I was really caught flat footed. So we just built a very large worship center, which mm. didn't have the large group, medium sized group and small group room philosophy in mind. Um, I just didn't know what the ministry was going to be. I hadn't even had my first day on the job yet. So we worked with it and it was great and it was fantastic and it was new. But as we grew into the ministry, even with that brand new space, we were very limited on what we could do because basically I just designed a big worship room. So when I came here with that knowledge um, and having been at this church for about uh, you know, seven or eight years, probably seven years when we got into the design phase, I had a really solid um, idea of what we were going to do and where we were going to go. So yeah. if, if, if a youth, uh, if a youth person, youth pastor director is out there and they've just been at their church a short period of time, or they don't really have a vision for being at that church long term, you know, it's going to stymie their, uh, their design concept because they just don't have the, the knowledge to think, long term. Um, I had that advantage. And so it was easy to say, um, this is the type of ministry we, we are. Uh, we're not necessarily a ministry that, um, like I've seen some youth rooms where they'll build a caged basketball court inside the rec space. That's not that's not really the vibe of our, our youth ministry. Um, or I've seen a youth ministry where they'll have a really cool, like kind of semi skate park built in their facility. Mm-hmm. But we're not like totally a skater ministry. Um, we have a lot of uh, social time, a lot of community building time. So we wanted to center around uh, a space where kids could eat and uh, hang out at tables and play games or eat and just kind of socialize. So we yeah. really heavied on building not just a, a cafe where food and beverages would be sold, uh, but also could it, could it be used for a coffee house? Could it be used for a game night? Could it be used for a tutoring session, which we were able to do during uh, COVID, like during the lockdown when students were at home, we turned our cafe into a school where kids came in and they were socially distanced, but they used our cafe and they did their schoolwork in our cafe. Um, so uh, then we knew that our kids were very game centric, like foosball, ping pong, uh, pool, shuffleboard, those types of games. So we wanted to build uh, a space that would have um, plenty of room for kids to play those types of games. So yeah. we just thought a lot about who, who we are, who have our kid, who, who are the type of kids that come and have been coming regularly and tried to center on that. So when we even ask, when we even talk about having an inviting space, how would you define 
an inviting space for teenagers? I think it, it doesn't necessarily have to be new. It doesn't necessarily have to be big or flashy. I think uh, it needs to appear to be welcoming. As I've traveled around and, and seen different youth spaces, you know, uh, I, I understand and appreciate the limited time that youth folks have and the massive job description that, that they have to deal with. So fixing up a youth room and maintaining that isn't necessarily always the top priority. However, like anything else, if you want to attract students, they have to know this place is welcoming, this place is safe, and this place is mine. Um, mm-hmm. Simple things like just uh, refreshing a space um, is great. When I first came to this church, what is now just our cafe used to be our entire youth room. Um we just renovated it and turned it into a cafe and then built the rest of the building around that. Uh, when I first came here, the, uh, the youth room had uh, a broken ping pong table, a pool table that was really just a large coat rack, uh, leather, <laughs> leather couches that, well, they were really pleather couches that were ripped up and misplaced. Uh, the church had allowed the, the students to paint the facility. So it was a hodgepodge of like everybody's favorite color. And mm-hmm. the classrooms were just uh, where the church stored all of their yard sale stuff. And so the first thing that I did was uh, got a dumpster and just cleaned it out, you know, just cleaned it out. I actually broke up the pool table because no one would take it and threw it away uh, just to create more space and just did a few simple things um, like that to transform the space. And it, it, was, it looked clean. It didn't smell bad tried to get as much of many of the stains out of the carpet as I could and just did some basic things to fix it up. Um, yeah. A year later, the church gave me a very small amount of money um, and said, hey, create a vision for this space. And I found a volunteer in the church to paint the room. So it was a consistent color. And uh, we did a few you know, minor renovations to add in like a little cafe bar, a check-in area, and some space for uh, games which I you know, was able to ask people to donate. So there's always somebody looking to give away a ping pong table, a pool table, and a foosball table. So you should never have to buy any of those things. Just last week, yeah. I went and picked up a 16-foot shuffleboard table last week that was valued at $2,000 that somebody thought they needed and didn't, and I was glad to take it off their hands. It just cost me three hours of work. Yeah. So, so yeah, you don't have to necessarily have a big budget. Uh, you don't have to have a grand vision to create an inviting space, but you do have to put a little work into just cleaning it up and uh, making it a space when a kid walks up to, they're not thinking, man, these people put the minimal amount of time and energy into this space. Yeah. When you started describing the space, when you got there with the the small group rooms or storage and the broken yeah. pool table, the felt was probably ripped or coming undone from yeah. the bumpers. Like, Man, have you been to I, church? So that's exactly what it was like. <laughs> I've seen plenty that could be described in exactly that way. It Multicolored was, walls, the whole thing. It was sad. And I realized, you know, cause I've been in these contexts where you don't have a lot of money. And, and, and if you're, I've been in a, a shared space, you know, where you're using it on Friday night, but the men's ministry is having their breakfast uh, on Saturday morning and the women are having their Bible study on Monday. And, you know, they want to have uh, their decor and the men want to do their thing and you're trying to make it look relevant. And at least somewhere in the two thousands, if not, you know, the 1990s um, instead of the seventies or eighties, uh, and, and I realized the limitations when you don't have dedicated space. 
Uh, So in those contexts, you have to maybe work a little bit harder to make things portable and to make things easy to, you know, to, to set up and, and things like that. But it is, it is very doable, but it takes some thought process. So one of the things I really like that you said about the definition or defining a inviting or welcoming space is they have to feel like it's theirs. They do. That there's that ownership and ministry transfers also to ownership of the space and we belong here and this is ours. And I appreciate the nod to shared space because I think that's of, if we put all the churches on the spectrum of what space do you have for students? I would say most churches probably land in that shared space category. Yeah. And it can be difficult. And there oftentimes you do have to think a little bit more strategically in that setting to create a space that a student feels like is theirs mm-hmm. because it's used for so many different people. But the portable things, the signage, what you bring in can make a huge difference. And mm-hmm. I, I want to continue kind of down that trail uh, of transferable principles between what you've seen. And I, I love the the multiple contexts of churches that you've, that you've seen and served in so that you can, you speak those different languages, which is really helpful in this conversation. What have you seen benefits when you do put the thought into it, when you do put the vision into it and to create a space that a student could say, I do feel safe and welcome. And I feel like I have ownership of this area, whether that be shared all the way to building what are the benefits that you see in, in taking the time to devote to, to creating that? Yeah, a couple of things. Well, number one, we, we kind of know just in general that when you're in the student ministry uh, uh, field, you're not just ministering to students. Sometimes what you're really a minister of is you're, you're a minister to parents. So when you take the time to do some intentional things, you know, the, a lot of times, I'll be honest, the kids don't see that. The kids, you know, maybe they see it. They don't fully appreciate it, but parents see it. So what I've seen here at our church is parents come in and they're sometimes wowed by little teeny things, like little details and things that we've done uh, that they're super you know, impressed with. And that makes them want to bring their kids back. Uh, I've, yeah. even, I've even seen almost every Sunday, I will see a parent bring a friend, like a, an adult friend that they have brought to church and they'll bring them into our space and say, Hey, I brought a friend. They've never been here before. Can I just show them around the room um, and walk them through your space? So they become the evangelists for our ministry, if you will, not, not necessarily yeah. evangelists of the gospel, but evangelists of where a place you want your kids to be. Um, so that is a huge benefit because if you get mom and dad who are saying, I want to bring my kids to your ministry, that's a battle that you don't have to fight. Um, that's huge. The kids do see the, um, the, um, the thought that you put into things, uh, when we get a new game table, when we, when we try something different, uh, with like our video games and, and those, uh, those little kind of attention to details, um, make the kids want to keep coming back. So just like we go through our, our, the video games that we have in our little video game area, um, we try to go through those and freshen them up because, you know, we don't want, uh, you know, Pong and Pac-Man in there from, you know, a hundred years ago. We try to stay as relevant as we can while keeping the games church appropriate. Um, 
And so that makes the kids want to come because if we have games that are five years outdated, you know, well, the kids have better games at their house. So why would they want to, why would they be excited to come and play these games here when, you know, they're so old and outdated. Yeah. So, you know, we, we try to stay relevant and current with things like that. Um, and then just some of the details of, um, things that we can offer like that, you know, they say that, uh, what is it? Necessity is the mother of all inventions. So one thing that we saw is, uh, kids were, uh, we, we serve a dinner every Wednesday night during our small group night and, uh, and it's at our snack shacks. So they can get, they can get snacks or they can get a dinner option. Um, parents were giving their kids cash to buy the dinner, but the kids being smart and savvy, they just pocket the cash. Uh, <laughs> and, and then I guess they'd go home and say that they were hungry. And so we were hearing back that like, Hey, like the kids, blah, 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 they're hungry. And so what we do is we, we created, we use the app, little Apple pay, uh, system, um, at our, for our cash register. So we just got little debit cards. So now parents can come in and they can put 20, 30, $50 on a debit card. They can give the debit card to their kid. And, uh, you know, they can load that card up for the next, you know, month of Wednesdays and they don't, and it only works there. And it only works here. It only works with us. So, uh, and, and we, we hope that they lose it because then we get all the money and we don't have to give out any of the inventory. <laughs> so we encourage them to lose those cards. Um, <laughs> but, but that little detail, like parents loved that because yeah, every week they're not having to remember to give little Johnny $5 so he can get his Chick-fil-A. Uh, they, right. they know that, Hey, I gave Johnny a $30 debit card to our cafe and now they can come and buy whatever they need. And so those little, uh, attentions to details, um, make the parents feel like confident that their kid, they know when they drop their kid off at six o'clock on a Wednesday night, their kid can get dinner and then have a fun, safe night. Yeah. That's awesome. What other things do you, uh, have you noticed parents really connecting with, uh, specifically in the, the areas of transferable that a smaller, a smaller church environment or yeah. whatever could, could see it use. Cause not, man, not everybody's going to be able to do the, the customized debit card thing, but I know that's not the only thing that parents are kind of honing in on. How do you, what are the things that make them the evangelist for, Hey, I want my kids here. Yeah, uh, some small things that I think you can do in, in probably most church contexts is uh, security. So uh, we don't have trained uh, security from like a security agency or company, uh, but our church has like a safety and security team. And so we have at least one person kind of stand in the lobby and they're identified uh, as a security person. So when a parent drops students off, they know that the area, like there's someone intentionally looking either for a medical situation or for an adult that should not be there. Uh, they know that. And then as our kids are leaving, we'll have uh, that same security person kind of out in the parking lot. And it's a quasi role of keeping the kids safe and directing traffic. So when it's dark and kids are running around, you know, someone's less likely to get hit by a car. So having somebody, and that could be anybody in your church, like that could be somebody that says, I don't really like kids or I don't really, I wouldn't make a good small group leader, but you could say, but could you come and provide a security presence, you know, or a safety presence at, at our gathering, at our event? Uh, so that's one thing that parents have com uh, commented on. Uh, having all leaders wear some sort of badge or credential, 
we've gotten lots of, um, and, and we actually insist that when parents come in our space, they're always welcome. We have an open door policy for parents at any time with the exception of our small groups. Uh, parents can, can come into our space and our events, but even they have to wear a guest credential. So they know that every adult is identified, you know, they don't, they can't just walk into the room. They have to stop yeah. at a booth and, and, and identify themselves and they're wearing a credential. So that's one thing that parents have really uh, commented on over the years that they feel like they know that there's not just any old adult, you know, and, and that's, there's some things that are outside of the facility thing, but just also knowing that all of your adults are screened and background checked and things like that. Uh, that's a little bit beyond the facility question. Um, but then just knowing that the, that when the kids are in the space, um, they stay in the space so they don't have a free roam of the church. So we designed our building that on a Friday night, when we're here for one of our outreach events, the rest of the building can be totally, although, although our space is attached to the rest of the church, we've designed it so that the rest of the church can be locked down and closed off. So our students only have access to our space. Yeah, that's helpful. So when you think about other youth pastors, maybe the, the, the guy who's in the place you were, where at its max, it hit 40 students yep. somewhere in between. Somebody sits down with you says, man, I really like what you've done. What advice would you give other youth pastors either looking to refresh change or create a space that they have now to yeah. be more welcoming for people? I would say, uh, create a list of everything you want. Like you want a new, you know, PlayStation system. You want uh, a foosball table. You want new couches. I would say create a list and, and pray over that list. Um, I did that what, before the first iteration, not this current iteration, but the first refresh that I did back in 2011, where I just covered over the multicolored paint that was in our space. I created a list of everything I wanted and I just started praying about it. I'm not going to make myself sound spiritual. I wasn't praying over this daily or even weekly. Um, but then one day I had a guy come to me and he said, Hey, I see you're starting to renovate the room. Is there anything in the space that you just don't have the budget to buy? And I said, yeah, there, there are a number of things. And he said, uh, can you make me a list? And I said, I have a list. I gave him the list. And, uh, he said, my wife and I feel led to, to, you know, buy something for the church. A week later, he came back with a truck with everything on my list. Wow. It was over $10,000 worth of stuff that he, I don't, you know, he had just come into some money. I don't know what happened and I don't care. Um, but he had bought everything on the list, uh, chairs, couches, you know, video game systems, everything. Uh, that's extreme. But the point is I did have a list. So even if he would have bought one thing for me, that still would have been a win. So uh, even if you're in a small, shared, multi-use space, create a list of the things that you need. Um, it will also help you if no one does bless you in that way. You can set a vision for every year with even a limited budget. You can maybe try to pick off one thing uh, yeah. that you would get. Um, I would say, too, if you're in that context, uh, a good cleaning, you know, and make it, make it even a shared ministry project. Fresh coat of paint, a carpet cleaner some couch covers, you know, if you have Aunt Betty's, you know, multi-plaid couch from 1973 and that's all you have to work with, that's fine. I get it. Uh, a, a can of Febreze and a couch cover, you know, uh, 50 bucks. Yes. 
you can, can make a big difference. It can make a huge difference. And the kids see that you care. The kids see that you care like you did. And that will be exciting for that, that, um, that group. I would also say, don't be so quick to try to move to a bigger space. What I did in my very first church, when I had, I said at its height, there was 40 kids. Um, when, when I started, it was like 20 kids and we had access to a larger space. It was, you know, probably a thousand square feet. Uh, and I resisted going into that space. I stayed in the, in a Sunday school classroom as long as I could. And, uh, because I wanted the kids to start feeling uncomfortable in that space. And I knew that if I took 20 kids into a thousand square foot space, um, the group would seem and feel small. But as long as 20 kids were in a classroom, our group seemed really big. Mm. And something psychological about students uh, that I've noticed is uh, they just want to be in a big group a lot of times. And so um, don't, I guess my point is don't always think that a bigger space is better for your group. A, a big space can swallow up a group really fast. Yeah. So um, even a small space can sometimes actually be more, feel more exciting to kids because there's like a little bit more of a critical mass or at least the appearance of critical mass. And yeah, way, there's something going on here. Yeah. It's exciting. In, in yeah. other words, if you're, if your student ministry is 20 kids and you're doing like a, a worshiper teaching night, don't set up 25 chairs, set up 15 chairs. You know what I'm saying? So that when that yep. 16th person comes in, you can make a big deal about, Hey, tonight we had to pull out five more chairs because, yeah. because we went from the 15 that we had set up to 20. It's, it seems silly, but, but, but that will create some small momentum. And if you can get that ball rolling, kids, kids want to be where they see momentum. And that, yeah, that's right. And that's okay because like momentum, you're just trying to get kids there so you can share the love of Jesus with them. And so if you have to do little small things and play some psychological games like that, I can do that. I can do that. I can live with that. Yeah. That's uh that's one of the first things as an intern that I was that I was told was when you set up the chairs, do it this way. We want to be in a situation where we're putting chairs out not taking them up yeah well one of my youth leaders would say no you're 15 chairs you don't have faith set up set up 50 chairs god's going to do something big tonight and i'm like and if he does we will add the extra chairs <laughs> yeah i did absolutely i didn't want i didn't want 20 kids showing up and seeing 30 unfilled chairs because then that kind of sends the message of like 30 people didn't show up because this place isn't cool enough to show up to yeah another another tidbit is uh storage no matter what your context is is you can never have enough storage if if you're building a facility or renovating a space or even acquiring a space take the number of uh closets or storage bins or whatever and just double that right off the bat you always think oh we have enough um when i first came to this church we literally everything that the student ministry um owned could fit in a rubbermaid bin it, we, we had been for a long period of time without any consistent youth pastor and they just didn't acquire any stuff, which sounds extremely hard to believe. Um, so everything that the ministry had could fit in a Rubbermaid bin. Now I can't fit it in a closet that's 500 square feet. And yeah. uh, 
just double the amount of storage space that you think you'll need because you will you will eventually absorb it and um, don't let anyone else in the church know that that storage space is available. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth on both sides of that. We, uh, as a youth pastor in Virginia, we were a part of designing a facility and <clears throat> it was built and done and we moved in. And in the first week it was, man, we don't have enough storage space. Exactly. It happens. It happens so fast. That yeah. is true. Well, Brent, I appreciate so much your time uh, and giving people kind of a, a different way to think about their area and think about what specifically, like one of the things that sticks with me is the parent side of it. Because mm-hmm. many times when we're thinking about a space for students, we think about what they're going to enjoy, what the students are going to identify with. But adding that extra layer of what is going to get a parent to say, man, I really appreciate this and have and want to have their kids there is a needed extra step. So I, man, we appreciate your time so much. Thanks for pouring into us today and the listeners. Yeah. I just say, um, one other thing is that don't be discouraged if you're out there and you don't have a cool or a big or a new or dedicated space. Uh, I'll, I'll say this with all honesty, um, having a space, um, can be a blessing, but it can also be a curse. And when I say a curse, I don't mean like, I don't want this space. Um, but you, it, it's one more huge thing to manage. And there yeah. are times when I'm, when I'm like fixing, uh, a, a pool table that got ripped or using budget money to, you know, buy a replacement, whatever I'm thinking, man, like I'm not spending time with kids right now. I'm not working on my message right now. I'm not planning the next thing right now. I'm, you know, I'm managing a facility. Uh, yeah. So it does. I'm screwing a new foosball guy into this. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and you know, as a youth pastor, you're going to do those types of things. Yeah. So um, it, it can be a drain on your time and a drain on your budget. So, um, you know, you just have to take that into consideration when you see someone with that shiny new space, um, it's just like when you see someone with a brand new expensive car, yeah, they get the benefits of driving that cool car, but they also have the curse of having to make that monthly payment. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> so be content where you're at because you know, the grass is not always greener on the other side. Yeah, that's true. Well, Brent, thank you so much. Hey, producer Nathan and I will be right back. All right, Nathan, we are back. What are your thoughts now you saw the space up close. We were on a yes. We were on a Essentials Roadshow tour. I had to head out before this stop on the tour, but you got to see it up close, and so you saw some of the intentionality that he put in, and then of course heard the episode just now. What are you walking away with, both from your experience there and what Brent had to say today? I think, yeah, I think the biggest thing to me right off the bat, when we went into that space, like you said, we were there for doing essentials um, there at his church for that Virginia, you know, DC, Virginia, Maryland, Baltimore area, man, as soon as we walked in, like, yeah, it looks, it's, it looks amazing and stuff like that. But what grabbed me, my attention real quick was just the, the attention to like all the little details. Like it was just, it was well put together. You could tell, wow, somebody really put some thought into this. It was welcoming. It was inviting, you know, it looked like a, it looked like a student, a student space, but it didn't look like, 
you know, a hodgepodge, like you said, you know, like the pain he had to cover it up, but you could just tell, wow, this was intentional. One quick, easy example of that was we were opening boxes and I cut my finger on a box and I was like, man, I don't want to bleed over all this stuff. So I was just like, Hey Brent, man, I cut my finger on a box. Do you happen to have a band aid? And he goes, yeah, right behind you on the wall. So on the wall behind him <laughs> was a little thing that I didn't even know they made, but they were just, it was like a little band aid strip thing that you can buy from wherever you get that kind of stuff from but it was just pull a band-aid off and he was like yeah he's like students are all the time cutting themselves on something i'm like you know that's right like little johnny just opened a pen and took it apart and somehow cut himself on a spring that i didn't even know was in there right you know it just happened somehow <laughs> why, and, but, why but, do students take pens apart i don't know it's it's it, one of the it's greatest the mysteries <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh but yeah but like it was just it was just little things like that like on every little cafe table there was some form of like small easy decoration whether that was like a rubik's cube or you know any of those like dollar store type little little games but they still look at like there was just you know I, something else one of our other guys zach said was like man no matter what you were into as a student you could find something to connect with physically there whether mm -hmm. it was like a rubik's cube or like there was some board games there was chess there was you know like brent said the pool tables ping pong the video games like there was there was some sports stuff there was some active stuff there was space to just sit and talk like it was i i think a student could come in there and find something to connect with no matter what background that they came from which i thought was just really cool and impressive that just you know the the intentionality behind the thought was just really cool yeah Man, not for me, it's the parent thing. It was too. It's making sure students have ownership. And you spoke to it with like, whatever I'm into, there's a chance that I can connect with that here. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's a, can be a little hard to pull off on the lower side of the budget things. So I really, you know, one of the things we try to do on this podcast is make transferable principles. And so that's why I love the, hey, look, freshen it up, clean it, new coat of paint, new couch mm -hmm. cover new foosball guy. So where, you know, your defenders, all of them have legs, you know, that kind of, right. that, that, and I've been in the space where, you know, one of your dudes doesn't have legs or, you mm -hmm. know, filter that out for contextualization. But I've, I've been in a place where things have needed a facelift and it does make a big difference. But, and I said this to Brent at the end, but one of the things that really sticks out with me is, Hey, what's going to make a parent feel comfortable dropping their mm -hmm. kids off here? And I think that is a often overlooked but important aspect of this conversation is what's going to what's going to make a parent feel comfortable. So I appreciate him saying that. And if you follow that thought and really, really go that chase that thread a little bit, I think you're going to be able at any church context to be able to provide a space that is comfortable for a parent to say, yeah, I'm OK if my kids stay and hang out here. All right, this has been another episode of the Student Ministry Podcast by LifeWay. We will see you next time.